You see, what we do here in this house is always about serving you. Everything I do, every, I mean, hours I study, seminars I go and spend money and time in, services and other ministries I visit or I minister in, anything I'm doing, and my, my wife and my sons will testify, anything I'm doing, it's always to serve you. You're not my number one guy. I'm, I'm called to God and to my family, and after that, I'm called to you. So every time I come in here, I'm trying to say, okay, Holy Spirit, how can I best serve them for this weekend? What can I do to best serve them? And in that, it, it just puts me in a state and a place of really praying and discerning what I feel in my spirit and what revelation God leads me into to give you, to impart into you so that you can have a better day, a better week, a better month, a better year, a better life. You see, every one of us have the opportunity to live two lives, and most people do. We have the life out here we live every day that everyone sees, our walking, talking life, but then we have a life unlived inside of us. A life, everybody say a life unlived. So when we're in this state of a place of a life unlived, I, I mentioned this a couple months ago, where is the most dreams, visions, and prosperity at today? Where, what location in this region is more dreams, destiny, and wealth, inventions, anything positive like that, in this, let's say, in this state today, where is it? What location would you say it's in? The cemetery. There's more ideas. There's more ministries. There are more dreams. There's more visions. There are more businesses. There's more prosperity. There's more opportunity in our cemeteries than there is in our colleges, in our cemeteries than there is in this church, in our cemeteries than there is in any place in this state. Think of all the good intentions. Think of all the potential that is lying in the cemetery right now. So you and I have to do that rocking chair test, right? Imagine yourself sitting on your front porch in a rocking chair when you're 80 years old. Is there anything you knew you had potential to do that you really desired to do that you never attempted? Anything that you had potential, a dream, a vision, an ideal God gave you that not only did you never attempt, maybe you attempted it, but you failed and you gave up. See, it's only, it's only failure if you never try again. That's right. right? So think about your potential. Think about what God equipped you with. You see, your gifts are not for you. Your gifts are for others. Everything God gave you, he gave you so you could give to someone else. This whole world is a world of sowing and reaping. Everything God set up in the kingdom is the kingdom of serving and, and, and sowing into others. And as we sow a handshake, a smile, encouragement, wisdom, knowledge, finances, whatever, ministry, anointing, anything we sow, it always comes back some 30, some 60, some 90, some 100 times blessing back into your life. But think about where the potential, what if we could tap into the potential in this room before it makes it to the cemetery? And we know the scripture says, 
to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Your spirit, who you are, will be instantly with the Lord, and later on the new body will come and all that. But you'll be instantly who you really are with the Lord. But let's do it as a metaphor. That body that's lying in a cemetery represents what you've done or you haven't done. Wow. Man, when I think about that, and, and I do that rocking chair test, it always, at first, it kind of depresses me a little bit, and I got to kind of shake myself off, and, and then I got to stir myself up and get my, my anointing and my energy back up. But once you do that, you got to do something else. If I'm going to tap into the unlived life that's in me, I have to have clarity of what that is and what that looks like. What do you do? You begin with the end in mind. When you look at the end of your life, how would you want to answer that question? When you look at the end of your life, what does that look like to you? What would be? You have to determine the outcome. You see, I never go into a meeting without determining what I want the outcome to be. A lot of times I'll ask my staff or anyone I'm meeting with, even in the business world, okay, we're here, this is awesome. I know I got a note on what this is supposed to be about, but I just want to ask you one more time, what's our outcome today? in this meeting. Maybe you scheduled 30 minutes or an hour, but you can get it in 10 minutes. Why waste everybody's time? We got our outcome. Or maybe one meeting was supposed to take 30 minutes and it takes two hours, but you get your outcome. So you never go into a meeting as a business person, as a leader, without already knowing the outcome you want. Because if you don't have an outcome, how can you accomplish it? And you don't have everyone in the room trying to focus on the same results. Because results bring certainty. And certainty do what? It brings momentum. Let, let, me, let me help you here. I'll just write it up here for you real quick. And give, is this okay? Is this okay? I know we can get real, real deep and get stuck. But, but it, I can, I've given you a lot of revelation over this year. And so is Mark. And I, I thank you. You're receiving it because we're growing, right? And, and good things are happening but God said, not just growth, he said supernatural growth. So I'm, I'm after the super. We've had some natural growth just from doing good, planning good, all of us come together in unity. But now it's time to do what? Put the super on front of the, in front of the natural. Anybody ready to put the super in front of the natural? Pastor Mark asked this question on his core calls, and then he asked me and some other people, and it, it just really challenged me. And he said, okay, you got four months left in this year, maybe three and a half months. I don't, did you do this last Sunday in the church? No. And he said, if you could have, look, the next three months, let's say, of this year, and say, what is the one word you would describe at the end of that three months that you say you want for your life? Not two words, not three, not a second. If you had to sit here and say, at that time is almost four months, three and a half months, let's say the next three months, from, 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 set, from October through Christmas, for this next quarter basically, if you could write down one word that you could celebrate and go, that was a home run, let me ask you what that'd be. What would that be? And you don't, see the more you think about it, you'll miss it. Right. It just came up in my spirit. What would that one word be for you? Jared, what would that one word be for you? Victory! Does anyone need victory in the next three months, right? What, what, Michael, what would it be for you? Let go. Let go. 
So that means there's things that you need to just let go so you can go up. A lot of times you got to let go of some things so you can go up. You got to let go of some things so you can have faith, right? To accomplish it, to accomplish it. Somebody else, somebody else got a, got a word there real quick. Anybody? Sean, what do you got? Advancement. Advance. Anybody need to advance in the next three months? So, so like me, that word was freedom. Freedom. Now, the key is you defining what that means to you. So each one of them, when Sean says advancement, he's thinking of what? Certain areas or certain things. And when you're thinking of uh, uh, letting go, Michael, you're thinking of things that you know that you should have let go of. If you did, you wouldn't be wasting your time with. You'd be having more. So we got, for me, freedom is, is to break anything loose for me, keeping me from my creativity. Because if I'm going to bet on anybody, here's the difference between me and a lot of people. I don't bet on you. I serve you. But if I was a gambler, there's only two people I'd bet on. God, I'll bet on God that his word is true. I've already bet my life. So I've laid my life down and preached this gospel coming into my 30th year. So so, so I, I bet my life on God. And you know who else I bet on? Dalton, because I know Dalton, I know Dalton, and I've sat across in boardrooms in banks before and been challenged, and I've hit the conference table and say, let me tell you something. I don't care what you think your outlook is, but I'll take the responsibility and it'll go or not, because if I'm betting on anyone, it's God and Dalton. And they just looked at me. Because people want to box you in with fear. They want to box you in like you, you can't do it. See, the, the reason some people you love, even your own family, come against your advancement is not because they don't love you. It's they're afraid that if you grow out, grow them, they won't be with you. See, that's why it's so important. The five people you spend the most time with, get this, that's the level you are. Either you, so you always want to challenge yourself to have at least five different people in your life that are doing things at a higher level than you, that are living at a higher level of character, that are doing a higher level business or a higher level ministry than you. Because even if you're at the bottom of their tier, you're way above where you are. But here's the thing. If you stay in that group so long, now that doesn't mean you don't have family groups and friend groups, Right? But you've got to have a certain group that are peers and mentors in your life that challenge you to go up. Because if you're not growing, now think about this. We got two lives, the life we're living and the life we're not living, right? And my goal today is, is to take a few moments to stir you up. And I got a couple testimonies I'm going to share with you, but to just get you to focus on what's most important for you. You know, you know what you will do and I do? We will suffer, sacrifice, scrape, borrow, and beg, not for ourselves, right? We have too much pride for us, right? But for those we love, we'll do anything for, right? So if it's keeping ourselves healthy, if we look at just ourselves, we'll always do the someday thing, right? We'll do the thing I talked about with hope. 
hope in the future. I hope it gets better. But that's not what Hebrews 11 was talking about. Now faith is a substance of things hope for the expectancy of, what, of things not seen. So hope is a, faith is the substance of the healing. Hope is the substance of the financial breakthrough. Hope is the substance of the, mar- the healthy marriage, you know, great relationships with kids. Faith is a substance of things hope. Now, not hope as delayed in the future, but the Greek word there means what? Anybody remember what it means? Confident expectation. See, I love my youth leaders just speak it out to me, right? So, so what is it? Hope is what? Confident expectation. So now faith. What kind of faith? Now. See, see you got to get that in your spirit. So, Pastor, I've heard that for 20 years. Well, just use it for me in your life. That's all I'm asking. Now faith is the substance of things confidently expected. Now faith is the substance of things confidently expected. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, confident, or conviction of things not seen. What is, get this, here's where the super comes in front of the natural. The only way you can put super in front of the natural is when it comes from the unseen. What happens in the unseen realm is greater than what's happening in the seen realm. Nothing was created until God, who is our Lord, our Savior, right? Our King of Kings, Spirit God, right? Until God saw it in his heart and mind and spoke it with his words. And from the unseen realm, his words activated and released the vehicle of his faith, and it is a creative force, and everything that is seen came from that word. Everything that is seen came where? First from the unseen. I mean, I could get into after Jesus rose from the dead, and when he was going around preaching for 40 days and nights, what did he do? He went to different houses and different places to meet with disciples, and he would appear to have a body, and you could feel it and touch it, but he still walked through the wall, ate with him, got up, and walked out. (laughs) Now, Now, get your little scientific mind around that. You know, get all your little formulas around that. But see, complicated people are really smart to an extent, but then they get stuck. Just read the Bible, it'll answer it for you. What is it? It's the unseen realm. How did Paul get to the third heaven without ever going there physically? Paul said, I know of a man that was caught up into the third heaven, and there sat the Son of God at the right hand of the Father. What? There's three heavens. The heavens of this earth, the heavenlies. The second heaven, the Bible talks about, is the firmament. And that's the heaven between the first heaven, and that's the second, between the third heaven where God is and his throne and Jesus. Now, we look at it like it's here, here, and here. But it could be here, here, and here. See, 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 you just, see. see just, just messing with you a little bit. We think vertically instead of horizontally or encompassing. So how else could God be omniscient, all-knowing, 
but omnipresent. It takes so long for the Holy Spirit to do this. He's not going way up there. We know Satan's not omnipresent because he has to go level to level to level. He has, it says Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He goes to the throne room of God to lie and accuse us, right? Jesus is our advocate on our behalf. So he goes up to the third heaven. He has to actually travel. So if he has to travel, how is he omnipresent? Anyway. So I'm setting up a little case for you that what happens in the unseen realm is greater than what's happening in the scene room. Now here's something that scientists have discovered. Your brain, your brain cannot determine unless you already know and decide to tell it this. You tell it this or not. Your brain cannot determine whether an imagination or a dream is real or not. The only way it knows it is you, who you are, tell it so. You ever had a dream, you woke up and it seemed so real and you're, oh my God, oh God, I'm glad that's a dream or ooh, shoot, that's a dream, (laughs) right? But it was so real, your body reacts, everything, right? So so think about that. What's that saying? There's this unseen realm and God gave you this computer called your brain and what does your computer called your brain do? It takes in information and it gives you answers. So when you just ask yourself answers, then it may not give you the right answers. Like when you mess up on a big project and you call yourself stupid and you idiot, I can't, you always do this. Wait a minute, where did that come from? You ask your brain, why didn't I get that done? Here's why, you're a procrastinator, you're stupid, your mom always said you was, your dog don't even like you, and the cat won't even visit your house. Right? It's that self-talk. We began to speak. That's why the Bible talks about if it doesn't agree with the word, don't say it. Because God loves you just as you are, not as you should be. God has great things to say about you. And if you would replace your talk with God's talk. So, So let's get back to this lived and this unlived life. So you and I will invest more. Look, we will invest more in others, people we love, people we care for, than ourselves, right? 99% of us. And what I've found, anytime there's an opportunity for you and I, a lot of times that we know we need to do something, like maybe we need to get a certain training or we need to read a book or we, 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 we need to read, to, we need to show up and, and be part of some group to grow. If there's other needs for other people, a lot of times we'll just do those and not do what really is best for us. What you got to realize is if you're better, it's better for them. So you got to change your thinking. If I grow, if I'm healthy, if I'm anointed, you see, when I lay hands on the sick, the reason I see them recover most of the time, I don't always get to see it, but a lot of times I get to see it right there in front of me. But I'm not doing it on my behalf. I'm doing it through the power of God and the Holy Spirit and his word. But the reason being, I have experience in that. I've done it enough to know that it's not how I feel that day and what kind of mood I'm in that day. It's just like, man, when that anointing is pulled on, I react according to my level of knowing. Faith is knowing and trusting God. So I activate 
what I do, whether it's preaching or laying hands on people, whatever, what do I, what do, I do? prophesy, whatever it is, I react accordingly because I have experience with that to pull on, right? But the reason I have that is through hundreds of hours, if not more, of preparation, of studying, of reading, of of listening, of learning, and then experiencing hundreds or even thousands of hours of doing and experiencing and doing. What does that do? That creates confidence. What's that do? That creates certainty. And certainty produces momentum. So if I want to tap into my unlived life, I want to, I want to kind of do it like this for you. If I want to tap in, and you know me, I'm not a great artist or a artist at all, and I'm definitely not the greatest speller in the world. Every one of you, since you're breathing here today, you don't even have to be walking or talking, you're breathing, you're alive, here's what you are to God. You are potential. That's what you are to God. And what I've been talking to you a little bit about today is your potential. Now let me read one scripture verse to you. Proverbs 16, 9. In their hearts... Humans plan their course. In their hearts, human plans their course, but the Lord does what? Establishes their steps. So here's what I want you to realize. Your purpose is determined by God, but your plans are determined by you. You know where your purpose is? Right here. Your purpose is. Everything God created you with, gifted you with, and all of that is right there. There's a lot of athletes that could have made hundreds of millions, tens of millions of dollars in the NBA that were better than many of the athletes, and you may even grew up with some, that are in the NBA today. The same with the NFL, the MLB, soccer, any of that stuff. I know, Michael, I admitted soccer's a sport. Forgive me. I'm just teasing. Soccer is a great sport. Just tease Michael about it all the time. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's so many that could have been the superstars known around the world making tens of millions of dollars, but there's one ingredient they didn't have that the others. They had the gifting. They had the talent. They had the potential. They had the purpose. But they did not have the ability to suffer at a high level. No pain, no gain. Did anyone ever get a master's or a doctorate degree without any pain? Raise, my hand, raise your hand if you did. Did, did. did anyone ever make their first million dollars without any pain or stress? Or, did anyone ever have a child without any? And if they say there was no pain, they lied. Now, there might have been minimal pain, but we know there's pain in having babies. Anything that is good, anything that is life carries pain. So whenever we get into this thing to where we never fail, we never make a mistake, we never have pain, we're just lying to ourselves. And then we wonder why we get discouraged. That means a lack of courage. The reason we have a lack of courage is why? It's because of a lack of knowledge and a lack of follow-through. So here's the key, guys. If I'm not willing to suffer for something, no pain, no gain, you know, look at Chris. Stand up here, Chris. Stand up, Chris. Show us what you got there, brother. Look at Chris. Here. Look at Chris. If he took his shirt off. He's a monster. He's a rock, right? He really is. He really is. He's a brute. And the reason, the only reason I'm not a beast, 
right? Now, I might look like a beast, but I'm not a beast. It's because he's willing to suffer more than me. When I go in and work out, it's like, okay, I got to get that. Okay, I got to do 10. I get to nine, maybe 10. Chris is like, 10, I'm going to do 15. And then add two to it. And I know it's true because Travis has been trying to work out with you. He has been. I have to give him confidence. He's showing up because showing up with you is tough because I know you. And he's looking better too. Amen. So here's, Megan said, amen. Praise the Lord, Pastor. So, so what is it? I have the same knowledge. I don't have as much knowledge about health as he does. But I know certain things I should eat, certain things I shouldn't eat, how much I should, how much I shouldn't. I know that if I just go to the gym four times a week but really go and bust it and work on this, 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 and this, I've seen it, done it, my body wouldn't look anything like it does right now. And it isn't knowledge that's stopping me, right? It isn't potential to stop me. You know, I could say I'm big bone, but my bones is not what's carrying my weight. You know, when you get older, your bones start deteriorating, so I got to increase my bones, right? No, no, it's the flesh that carries the weight, right? So that's not the issue. This is the issue. So, so, so I can say I'm big bone, but that don't help me, right? Because I'm not stupid. I know that don't matter, right? There's only one thing. It's not the ability. There's gyms everywhere. As a matter of fact, you don't have to have gyms. If you do a certain amount of push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, you don't have to have a gym. To look like a beast. You know what you got to be willing to do? Suffer. Suffer. Now, let's get back to what I said to you a few minutes ago. What we do usually is when we get to the point we get such a bad health report, they say, you're not going to live another five years living like this or 10 years. Or you're going to be, you might be 30 or 40, and they say, you're going to be gone by 50 or 60. And you start thinking about your daughter's wedding. You start thinking about your son graduating. You start thinking about, man, wouldn't it be cool to have grandkids? Or what? But if I have them, I'm, some other guy's going to be enjoying them, not me. Because if I keep this up, I'll crush all this stuff, I won't be around. Now, is that more motivation to suffer than if you're just trying to motivate yourself? So you can motivate yourself different ways. Why am I saying this? Anything in life that is worth accomplishing carries a certain amount of suffering with it. Now, here's the trick. You're going to suffer more by not doing what you know to suffer for because when you get to a point you can't turn it around or you miss the opportunity, then you really suffer because you were dummy, 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 right? I could have done that. I should have. You know, we're, yeah, we're, there's a lot of people full of should. A lot of people full of should. But, but being full of should doesn't do much for you. Amen. That, that, just let that soak in. It's still, it's still the gospel. Just cause your mind's a little off. Don't blame that on me. But that was intentional. So, so we all have what potential. But you're you're not gonna get somewhere without sacrifice. You're, you're, how many of you believe the Scripture teaches that we as a church are, are supposed, we as Christians are supposed to tithe to God? Believe how many wave that wave that. Man, that's, that's a lot. That's most. Now put your hands up. How many of you do biblically tithe to God? 
I'd say it's about half. Now, I'm not putting a half down at don't, right? I'm just using this illustration. Well, why don't we? It's not knowledge. It's not even really the conviction. You know what it is? There are certain things we would suffer if we did it. I got bills, Pastor. I got to be a man of integrity and pay my bills. Good. I hope you stand before that man when you die instead of God. But anyway, that's a, you need to look a little bit further out into your future. But anyway, the suffering, maybe I have to get an extra job just to tithe. I know people has got an extra job just to tithe. And I'm using this illustration. What? The only reason we don't tithe is not because we don't know. It's because it's too painful. Same thing with exercise, right? The same things with reading and preparing ourselves. The things with taking things that grow us. So potential's great, but if you're not willing to suffer. Now I'm not saying go out here and be a martyr and suffer all the time. I think it's kind of the 80-20. If you can live 80% of your self and the motivated, the fun, the faith. But if you can take about 20% of yourself and focus on what would happen if you don't do something. You can't live there, then you won't do anything. You'll be frozen. But if you can take about 20% of yourself and focus just on this stuff enough to motivate you in the way of, woo, here's all the great things I get, but if I don't, ooh. Is this okay? Are you asleep or awake? I can't do it. Okay, so what's the second thing? So what happens is when we go from potential, the only way you can even activate potential is with this. This word right here. action. So you start every project in your life, your walk with God, you start everything with this, right? Potential. Then it goes to action. Now I could take a little time on action, but I don't have a lot of time. There's a couple things I want to do. So we got potential. Now we got action. What does action do? So a lot of times we're planning, we're dreaming, but we never do it. We're, we're going to get in shape, but we're trying to go around and visit all the places to work out, see which one the best, what I can afford. Can't afford it now. I'll save up so I can do the spin class instead of just getting out and going down your driveway, right? So you can have all the potential in the world, but if you don't have action, you're not going anywhere. You're not going to be successful. Then here's, uh, I, I taught this years ago. I need to teach it to you like in depth. So after action, what does it do? This is, this is, this is a paradigm to help you get what you're believing for. This is how to get your faith, how to get your belief. So then what happens is when I go from potential to action, when I do have potential and I have action, I'm going to have results. Now, someone might say, yeah, but sometimes the results are stupid, right? They're not good results, pastor. Good. But you know what happens if you have a, take a result to, to accomplish something in your life? You didn't fail if you gave 100% at it, right. Right. right? You didn't fail if you at least attempted it. Here's why. It taught you one more way that it didn't work. Think about this. Thomas Edison, he, he tried 10,099 times to get that light bulb or whatever it was to come on, right? Electricity, to get electricity, the negative and positive currents to flow to produce electricity. But on the 100th time, the 1100th attempt, it worked. Now, are you glad he didn't quit at 10,001? Come on. Come on. Right? But on 10,100, it worked. So those 10,099 attempts were not failures. 
He marked it off his list. That didn't work. That didn't work. It was progress. So what you call failure, God calls progress. What if you looked at your life that if you lost everything, what, I lost everything. Well, what'd you lose? Well, they took my car. They let me live in a house, but I don't own it. Did you lose everything? Did, did you lose your teeth? Right? Did you lose your kids? Did you lose your health? So, so we got to look at life about when we use these words, we lost everything or this happened. How bad really is it? Is it worse not trying it than it is living? So what does that do? Now, now when I do that, what does that produce? So that gives action. Now results, what's results give me? Results give me certainty. Results produce certainty. So actually, let me put certainty over here. So, so you'd come over here like this. This is certainty, right? So I won't write it all out. So that's certainty. That means I have confidence. That means that, that I'm excited. School teacher's laughing at me. Did I spell it wrong or is it just my bad writing? Okay, yeah, I know. I know you, Paul. I know some stuff on you too. You better watch it. Where's your honey at? I, no, I'm just kidding. So, so that's bad. Yeah, I know. So anyway, certainty. So what does it do? Prep. Potential with action produces results. Results produce certainty. It gives you confidence. Confidence of what didn't work or what will work. And then what does that do? Here's the key to that. It increases your momentum. It increases your momentum. So life is all about momentum. It's about momentum. It's about speed. It's about getting things. You ever notice when you make a mistake in your business, if you don't have momentum, it's a bigger deal than it is when you do. You ever notice in your relationship, your spouse or your family, it's one thing if you mess something up, but if everything else is good, they'll kind of, it's not as big a deal. But boy, when y'all having a rough week, month or year or decade and you do some little something stupid, it's a big deal. That means you don't have momentum, Right? So what I want to encourage you in, guys, is, is, is if you're going to do anything in life, you've got all this potential, but you're going to have to take an action. And when you take a step, what do you do? You get results. I, I know a lot of people that come and they want marriage counseling, but they didn't go to geek marriage. And say, well, why didn't you go to geek marriage? I mean, we spent two days, hours. And how many of y'all were blessed out of geek marriage, right? Well, we couldn't afford it. And I mean, it was like three or 400 bucks or something. For room and board and everything. We didn't make nothing. We lost, I mean, we didn't lose. We invested extra money to make it happen. Well, well, let me ask you, how much does this depression, sadness, and division in your family cost you? How much does divorce cost? How much does being separated from your children cost? See, see, we, we aren't willing to do the little suffering to save us from the big suffering. 